If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? Welcome to the Blasphemous Cinema Podcast. I am your host, Jake, and with me today is my trustworthy co-host, Asin. How are you doing today, Asin? I'm making it out. You know, we're doing good. We're doing good. Got off work <laughs> early today. Um, so that's always a good thing. But as I should say that this is the not so blasphemous Cinema Podcast and our second episode of it, and we're going to be talking about the Batman Hell yeah. Um, so the Batman, um you it follows a young Batman, year two Batman, um sorry, Robert Pattinson, and the main villain is the Riddler, um serial killer version of the Riddler with very much a lot of still riddles and everything to really throw everyone off. Um so let's get into our kind of review section of the portion of this podcast. And Addison, if you want to kick us off with yours. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great, honestly. I thought it was like, it's probably one of my favorite Batman interpretations so far. Or at least mm-hmm. in like film form. And I love what they did with the Riddler and, and, and Catwoman. Very interesting, very dark, and very grounded, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love the way also that they did the, you know, the whole serial killer aspect of the Riddler. Like how it's, instead yeah. of him just solving riddles and just doing like clues and stuff, he actually has to solve kind of a murder mystery kind of case that adds that whole layer of the noir kind of vibe that the film has throughout. It reminded me of... Kevin Spacey. Very much so, killer. yeah. And yeah. I love Pattinson's Batman. I actually saw something earlier today, or yesterday, that said that he actually based his performance on, like, Michael Corleone and Kurt Cobain, which is... Thing. Yeah. You know, I, just, I don't know. I think it's great. I just love the way they tackle the material, and I love the way they tackled that man i thought it was awesome and i love the three hour runtime just no shame how long it is and it's so great yeah um so where i'm sitting at is you know i kind of went in with high expectations for this film and it's still managed to blow them away i do think like this film was kind of like the best case scenario for what i was expecting um i think Robert Pattinson playing a young Batman and young Bruce Wayne is just so well done. Um, You have just Robert Pattinson's performance, Paul Dano's performance, Colin Farrell, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, um, just to name a few, just is literally great performance on top of great performances across the board. And, you know, when you're, introduced to a character or you just get someone else that's other than Robert Pattinson the film never really falls off um 
also like this movie is does feel very grounded obviously there is some like superhero stuff that is from the genre obviously but this is probably the most grounded that we have seen a batman adaptation so far there's not a lot of fantastic there's like no fantastical elements to be seen whatsoever um the riddler is a serial killer um and a lot of his issues have to do with like corrupt politicians, corrupt officials and stuff like that, which obviously kind of goes into like the mob and detective side of Batman. Um, then on top of that, like, in my opinion, Gotham has like looked as bad, best as it's ever been. Um, yeah, the set designs when the best is part. so good. So good. Um and the score to everything, the use of something in the way by Nirvana is mesmerizing. Um, the cinematography is off the charts. Um, just top to bottom, this film is just A plus across the board. Um, I know some people have a little bit of gripes with the third act. Um, and I understand that to a point, but I do think that the third act does serve a lot of purpose in the way that what kind of gripes do they have? That's what I want um, to a lot of people were like, you know, kind of like the whole climax of the film was like the meeting between um, Riddler and Batman. Then obviously you get the whole Madison Square Garden part where they're like, is this a really as, is this really kind of the thing that we were looking forward to in the end, that's kind of like what I've heard from people. Really? I love both yeah. of those things. I love the Madison Square Garden thing and the final confrontation. Yeah, with the I know. I, yeah, I totally agree. Just because of like, there's like so much going on at the Madison Square Garden thing that has to do with a lot of development in terms of um, the Riddler's motives, um, commentary um, on his mo- motives too. Then on top of that, it's there's a lot of change in Batman's character development during that section of the film oh, too. Yeah. Um, it's very so, subversive, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, at least like people aren't like completely like knocking the film overall for that third act. You know, there's people, you know, there's films where like a third act will completely destroy a movie. This this third act's very much not that. Most people are still absolutely loving this movie no matter what. Yeah. Um overall, dude, Matt Reeves directing a Batman film is almost kind of a dream come true now that we have seen his vision and we you know, there's going to be more. <laughs> I mean it's oh, yeah. no doubt that there's more. So it's very exciting to see where um, this franchise will go, and then on top of that, we have some like ex- um spinoff TV series and development for HBO Max, and that stuff I have actually pretty high hopes for. Just knowing the fact that it's not going to be an MCU show of a property piece. Um, well, that's the hope that it doesn't become that. I yeah, kinda, I kind of hope that they just make like a part one and part two of this, like it's this is part one and then part two and then they're done with our Pat's Batman. I kind of, I'm kind of hoping for that. 
I don't I really feel want, like a five film thing going on. I don't think it'll be five films. I do think it's gonna be a trilogy though. I do think we're gonna gonna get three films, then the spinoff TV series that we have planned. That's where I think. Um, what is the spinoff of? Um, they're gonna do an Arkham Asylum spinoff TV series, and then a Penguin TV series. Yeah. That's what I I'm saying. Like I, that. I I have a little bit more hopes for this than any of like the MCU stuff that they plan to make every from year to year. You know what I'm saying? Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the best aspects about the Batman is that it actually it got kind of good. Does everything that a Marvel movie is scared to do. So. Oh yeah, I mean, this movie completely is day and night comparison to what any of the MCU movies are doing right now. Um, and it just shows how great it is when you actually have actual direction and great writing and just willing to take risks. <laughs> yeah. Well that too. And then just like people who actually care about like the craft of film and everything like that. And also staying true to a comic at the end of the day. Um, so overall I was absolutely pleased with the movie. Um, I know we're both very much on the same page. I think we both gave it a five out of five. Um, yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> um, as of right now, you know, I've only seen three movies this year, but it's very much my top film as of right now. Um, so, um, our next part of the podcast, instead of going through like scene by scene, I wanted to do this podcast as a basically kind of like breaking down like every aspect of the film like we'll talk about performances we'll talk about cinematography we'll talk about score and talk about story and specific characters too um so yeah um i say first let's just get into robert pattinson's batman um so so this is like the first time we're really like seeing a really young batman live at adaptation wise um and it's so unique in the aspect that it's you get like grunge <laughs> grunge version of batman in the movie and not like kind of like when you hear that like not a cringe way it's like very well done um they use the song something in a way like two times in the movie while you get two like monologues from batman bruce wayne as the song's playing and he's like you know traversing through gotham on his motorcycle and it is so well done it's so it's such a nice tribute to everything that the batman stands for and i i just think that it the stuff that they do with this specifically with that is just it's so outstanding. I mean, they like it, the way they molded the character. It's kind of what Zack Snyder wanted to do with Ben Affleck's Batman, where he wanted to have him be that super dark and like, you know, very hostile Batman yeah. and kind of become this beacon of light and everything. But, you know, I guess with Matt Reeves's, I love his basically, I think I like his more than Snyder's, even though I, lo- I still love Snyder. But still, it's like, the thing that they were doing with Rar Pats, and he even said that, like, his Batman is supposed to be super obsessive at first, and that's why he has yeah. the journals, and he's just been 
just basically stuck and like isolated himself and he's just been thinking about this for so long planning all this out trying to become this very fearful dark and just very hostile individual and then I love the whole arc that they made with him at the end where he basically sees the reflection of himself in yeah. the joke I mean like in the Riddler and like you know all of his minions and all that I thought that was all great and I just think that's a great way to go about it by showing that you know the Batman is not supposed to be just this very dark and very fearful character. He's also supposed to be something that, you know, people look up to. So I yeah. thought that was really great the way they did that. And Robert Pattinson is just amazing. I mean, one, probably one of his best performances in my yeah. opinion. It's, you know, people when almost kind of disregard some comic book performances just because they're comic book performances. But this like his performance in this movie go, really does go toe to toe with his performances in high life and um good time specifically yeah. it does he kind of like, reminded me of uh the driver in drive with Brian oh Gosling. yeah yeah like he kind of had that very brooding and just kind of almost very subtle acting where it's much more about like what you see in the eyes and his like facial tics and much less about dialogue, I mean, which I, I enjoy that. Say, yeah. I was literally about to say there's some like literally unbelievable eye acting from Robert Pattinson yeah. in this movie. It's, it's a lot crazy. of physical, a yeah. lot of physical performance, which I enjoy that kind of acting a lot. Like a lot of yeah. people write it off as like lazy or like, I don't know. Some people use the term like pretentious kind of acting. And stuff no, like but, that, it, but it all I matters. think it's great. Yeah, yeah it exactly. All it um, doesn't have to have dialogue and all that. It's great yeah. when he's just, it's just you looking at him essentially. And that's like what I was going off a little bit earlier with like these monologues playing over like the songs, um, something in a way by Nirvana is like, you know, voiceovers and monologues can can be kind of bad. They can make or break a movie. <laughs> yes, and I was just like so happy with the writing for these monologues because it really does take you into the character where, like you said, he's kind of obsessive at this point. And then you get one at the end where it's like, you know, you're starting to see the start of his character arc. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it can literally make or break a movie and it only enhances this film because, you know, Robert Pattinson is not very talkative as his Batman I mean, that's just the Batman, the character in general. But having those monologues and being able to kind of just get inside of his mind and it, for it to be so well done is just, it enhances the film from top yeah. to bottom. Um, I love his interpretation of Bruce Wayne and Batman. I think it's great. Yeah. It's something we haven't seen before, and I enjoy yeah. that. Um, I would also like to say, I probably should have prefaced this before, um, we will get into some spoilers throughout this Um it's too that's late now. Just, You've already that, been listening. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Like, you know, you can't really like discuss a movie like this and it not is get. What it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also so the one big thing I want to touch on that, you know, I saw a comment regarding Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne saying, "You can't be a good." Batman if your Bruce Wayne is shit and I it blew my mind when I heard that because 
we are seeing a Bruce Wayne that is so young, he doesn't give a shit about Bruce Wayne stuff right now. Yeah, he doesn't care about that, um, what you call it, that like... Philanthropy and everything like that. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the, uh, God, what is it called? He doesn't care about putting up that facade, that front of being the playboy yet. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? He doesn't care about any of it, like... In comparison to other adaptations, his trauma is, like, still, like, somewhat fresh. And on top of that, he's very much as dedicated to work, into his work on becoming the Batman. That he doesn't care about all this stuff. And it's purposeful at the end where he says that he needs to be more than vengeance. He needs to be be doing more. I mean, he saw all the, the fallout from the Renewal Project, and it's like, it's um, empty promises, then he's realizing that, hey, I have this opportunity to do more, and he's, and he's going to. So I bet I, you that guy is one of the people that loves Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne, even though for all of Batman Begins, he didn't do any of the play <laughs> stuff, but he would never say that because he has the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises to watch. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're going off of the first film like you said and it's also the beginning of a character yeah i mean that's what it's literally in the film like you like your thing is like you've said he didn't understand it (laughs) he didn't understand it um (laughs) and then that's true because like literally if you watch the movie you realize hey the purpose of his character arc right now is that he's not doing anything and he literally says in the end i can be basically doing more and i need to do more that's, yeah. I mean, it's literally clear as day. It, he, he literally he says it. Had that. He like, literally he says had that it. realization yet. Yeah. The whole uh, time that Batman isn't the only thing that he can do. Like, he's yeah. also, he is also Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Which, I mean, that also ties into all the stuff, like, the psychology of Batman, which is also what I love about this movie. It ties in all of that stuff about his alter ego and this whole thing about the split personality or how he feels like himself only when he's Batman. He doesn't really care about Bruce Wayne. That's just a shell. Like, you know, yeah. all that stuff is very cool to dive into. And it's very well looked at in this movie, I think. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite aspects about this Robert Pattinson Batman is that you get a lot of these shots of Batman's feet and like just walking on screen and you get the absolutely perfect sound design that's just you can hear the brass steel walking and it sounds brooding as hell that was literally one of my favorite parts about the movie um then there's also one thing i found interesting too so you know at the beginning of the film one of the first scenes you get um obviously robert pattinson like beak beats the heck out of one of these goons and he says, you know, I'm vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the movie, he realizes, you know, he needs to be more than vengeance. Um, someone pulled up a clip of Val Kilmer's um, Batman adaptation and there was a part where basically saying, like, you know, I feared the shadows and the dark so much that I became that for other people. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I am the shadows and stuff like that. But if I become that, 
I'm just my own enemy. Yeah. Because you're feeding into the thing that you feared all along. And I feel like that almost like really coincides with how this film treats vengeance is because, you know, he wants to be vengeance, but he has to be more than that. He's going to vengeance in a way could be and fear is his own enemy. Yeah, the whole beginning of the film alludes to that because the whole first part of him when he's not when he, he hasn't even been seen yet as Batman in the whole beginning of the film, but it's all those as soon as his signal goes in there, you see all these guys start looking in the shadows and stuff. Yeah, like they're scared, and you know at the beginning that's the exact thing he was like. Yeah, no. like it at the beginning, our Pats was um, you know essentially saying that he was glad that he became that, and then by the end he realizes that he is, like you said, just being the same thing that he's fighting. He's feeding into the very thing that he doesn't want. Yeah. But that's a great thing about Batman, though, because even the comics and all that, all of his enemies, all of his villains and everything, they're always like fragments and reflections of pieces of him, which is another thing that I think Matt Reeves got right with this. Yeah, um, because like, let's talk about um, was there anything else that you really wanted to touch about Robert Pattinson's Batman? I mean, overall, he's just very he he fits the mold of everything that they wanted to do for this Batman so far, and yeah, phenomenal performance, top twelve. Did you see? Did you hear about all the comics that he read for his Batman? Yeah, yeah. Like it was like what the Long Halloween and Batman Damned, and he read. Um, oh, there's like three other ones too. Like. Year one, ego, um, yes, um, I did hear about that, and like on t- top of that point, like you know, he really wants to do Court of Owls in this yep. franchise, which I think would be freaking awesome. Um, he loved Batman, damn. He said, I think he said that was his favorite. Yeah, I mean, I told you about how much I like that one, and I think, well, you have to read the one thing I showed you, like the Joker one before it. So it's like the Joker one, then Batman damned. Yeah. I need, I still need to check that out too. Yeah. But overall, so, our Pat, Patman, the best. Patman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so going off of like your point of basically like seeing reflections um, of himself in villains, let's talk about the Riddler. Um, because we all know the Riddler is very notorious for being a very campy character. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's just like his MO. Um, and the Riddler's motivations in this film are exposing corrupt politicians and officials and in the process, murdering them and torturing them and doing all this type of shit um which is very much a very besides like the murdering and torturing is very much a batman thing to do like he goes after corrupt people mm-hmm. that's just that's a lot that's a big aspect of his character um it's just the point where like you know his own character doesn't he doesn't resort to the vile nature of that type of um, handling things. So, um, you know, the first scene in the movie 
is by far literally one of my favorites. I think it's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, you the get home invasion? yes, dude. <laughs> the home invasion is so good. Um, when so, he moves and he's just standing behind. I was him. Li- all right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you you get introduced to the mayor of um, Gotham, um, Don Mitchell Jr. And, um, and so he's pacing back and forth. He's on a phone call. And as soon as he moves, it's completely, it's like besides the TV light, it's completely pitch black and everything. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he moves, all you see is the Riddler's eyes and silhouette. It is so creepy. And then you, you continue watching him. And all you do is watch the Riddler's eye movements. Just watch the mayor go back and forth, back and forth, until finally he just absolutely wails on him with this carpet. Um, what is it called? It's like things to kick up the carpet. It has like the edge on it and bashes him in the head and, you know, um, puts duct tape on his face and you get his the, the Riddler's signature in, the, in this movie. Like his... <gasps> Like, it's yeah. like his his like certain type of breathing. It's it's so out there. Um, Paul Dano kills it. Honestly, he's so good. Um, you know, you when looking at performances like specifically like prisoners and stuff like that, like he he has so much range. Like yeah, prisoners. There will be blood. <laughs> blood. He has a ridiculous amount of range. Little and, Miss Sunshine. Yeah. And, He's. I am so happy that we went down like the serial killer and like horror route of the Riddler. Um, and cool like idea. you, you get a spot in this movie where you see the Riddler do a saw trap. Like basically, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's where this Riddler is, and um, so he's basically whole his whole mo. Is basically throughout this movie, you get a kill. Um, there'll there'll be a note to the Batman, and it'll have it'll have a obviously a riddle, um, for the Batman to fall follow, and it repeats a couple times. I love and, the riddles in this movie too. They're so good. They're so they good. are. And all um, the scenes with them, even the car. What, what was it? The bomb. The dude with the bomb. Yes, I was literally that about to. So good. So. I mean, like, let's talk about that, too. It's like, you know, Robert Pattinson's walking into the funeral, and he hears something, every, all this commotion, then he looks up, and you see the silhouette of Paul Dano's Riddler in the light. Then all of a sudden, like, the car comes storming through. Then you get this, um, it was the DA, right? Ooh. It was a, Wait, it was a person it was down Coulson. the yeah, it was a Colson. person. I think he was. Was he the DA? I he was, he was a person that was connected. He either was a DA or was connected to the DA. And so you obviously had the bomb, and like the Riddler calls up and he's like, you know, I'm going to give you three riddles. And if you answer them all correctly, um, you'll survive. And Dude. like. <laughs> <laughs> the way he so much... out the time too by saying them slowly to him it was so I funny because he was just toying with him yeah and on, on top of that like you have Batman there the entire time and without Batman this dude wouldn't 
have never figured out these riddles. Oh, because yeah, they got on the first one. Yeah. Um, so that that particular scene was very well done with the riddles and Riddler. I mean, that's like, it's still going very much in the direction of puzzle solving with the Riddler and him still being a serial killer and like, you know, putting a person in a bomb and <laughs> just letting him solve or he's going to die. Um, even the actual funeral scene was like so suspenseful before the car even like busted through the way Matt Reeves directed it. And he had you have so many going. facets of it. You have him and um, Falcone at like the first part. Then you have him going in and you have, you know, you think he has basically like this kind of, he's going back and forth, like looking at certain people, like they're suspects. Then you get the new person who's running for mayor, come up to him, basically confront him about, you know, you need to be doing something with, you know, we can be doing something together in terms of philanthropy. Then you have, you see Robert Pattinson look at one of the, the deceased mayor's son, who's very young and relive, reliving his trauma through him, basically, without trying. Uh, yes. The yes. reflection of him and the sun is one of the coolest motifs in like the whole movie because every time he sees him, it's always like this very mirrored gaze, and it's yeah. I don't know, it's very well done, and you can tell all the people after the movie that completely missed the point of that. There were so many people after my viewing that were coming out of the movie theater was like, "That's gonna be Robin." It's like no, you guys that's literally that's not the, the point. point. That's literally <laughs> not the, the point. point. That you is think literally... every young kid in a Batman movie is automatically Robin, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. You know what's funny? Because, like, I literally didn't even think at one point up until now that we're talking about this, I did not have any single thought of Robin in this entire movie. <laughs> like, none at all. Like, when I looked at that kid, I did not think about, oh, my God, that's Robin. Like, that's not the point of his character and that's not the point of the direction of those scenes. It's <laughs> exactly. it's not. It's so stupid. It's so funny. It's People so just stupid. take everything so surface level. Yeah. Like, oh my god, those are that's gonna be Robin. No, it's it's just it's just, you know, actually something to actually make the film have more depth. A preteen child? Robin. A preteen child. <laughs> um so then you get some of the also really cool scenes. Um, there, there's a part where Riddler is in like the back of the car waiting for um, that one guy, and that's really cool. Um, then you get him at the diner, and like the whole SWAT team, you the whole SWAT <laughs> team's coming to get him. Then he sees, pumpkin pie. yeah, he he sees the Batman through the window, and you can just see him smiling. Yeah. Um. Then you get the huge confrontation between the Riddler and Batman in the dynamic at, in scene. prison. It, the chemistry between them is just off the charts. There, it really it's is. so off the charts, and you know, Paul Dano just goes on this absolute ridiculous freaking mantra of um words and just like like the meaning behind everything and like even at the end he like the riddler's like 
you still don't get it, do you? Yeah. <laughs> you still don't get it. Their dynamic is so good, and I love the whole the whole convolution between the Riddler and Batman. It's so great because it showed even Batman's, like, hubris, how he couldn't solve the riddle and the mystery at the end until it was too late because he was so self-indulgent and so, like, yes. self-serving that he thought the Riddler was talking about him the whole time. Yes. And then at the end, he figured out that the Riddler literally didn't even care. Bruce Wayne was just supposed to be another victim. It didn't yep. even matter. And then that just showed you, like, how great the human aspect of Batman is, like, delving into his hubris and all that. It was such a great thing that Matt Reeves added in there. Or whatever, yeah. whoever wrote it. It was just yeah. awesome that they did that. Because it showed, like, like, that Batman can make mistakes, too, and all that. Yes. And, like, going off of that point... You know, the whole, like, at the end, um, well, there's a spot where, like, you know, he does think it has to do with him, which it kind of does, but it doesn't. It has to do with his father. And, you know, he thought his father, you know, there's, like, a point in this movie where Alfred's talking to him, he's, like, and, and, like, Falcone and, like, stuff like that. You know, he was a great man, and, you know, but he did make mistakes. He did make mistakes, and um, and he ended up getting a journalist killed because um, they had dirt that his that his um, Martha Wayne is um, yeah you know she had psychotic. very very um, serious and psychotic mental issues. Um, I love that whole aspect, too. How it was, like, all these things about how... Well, first of all, the whole human aspect. People are only human. But then the whole aspect of, like, you can't just believe every story you hear. Like, this guy is, like, going on conspiracy rants, the Riddler. And he's like, yep. this guy had him killed. And then you have Falcone's side of the story where he's like, oh, you know, your dad told me to do something. Yeah, and I did it, but it's very hush hush. And then you have Alfred's side of the story, where it's like, no, your dad didn't even mean for that to happen. And yeah, he exactly. Felt horrible about it. I love how it shows all these different sides and all these different ways that people will manipulate media and like stories to actually fit their narrative. Which I mean, also goes into Paul Dano's Riddler because his commentary by the end of the movie, when you find out his like true purpose and everything, how he's basically just this manifestation of social media hate groups it's it's great yeah it's such great commentary yeah let's talk about that a little bit too um so you get the spot where you know they're in like the prison and they're talking to each other then he reveals kind of like his bigger plot and i really loved how they shoehorned in this commentary because you know the riddler is actually this kind of like online figure he has like 500 followers but <laughs> it's so subversive but it's so yes. great yes it works I mean, so well but you basically he's had his these followers on his like like attached to the hip like throughout this entire time and then he realizes and then he like basically like tells them it's like it's time and then all you see these messages like what gauge are we bringing and like stuff like that? And then you realize, rifle, yes, yeah. and then you realize, like, oh my god, people, he basically orchestrated a mass shooting, yep, which is honestly in today's world so 
important to say because like you know a person with 500 followers can get people to do something truly terrible anyone can like there's a lot of people that are very susceptible to stuff online and can blindly follow people into doing very evil stuff um yeah so that's especially that's especially why i like the third act of the film so much is like the fact that we're going into this territory with this character i i loved it yes like I love how, first of all, it's, like, set in very modern day with social media, like, you know, smartphones, all that kind of stuff. I like how they incorporated that into this very old kind of retro, kind of industrial-looking Gotham. Like, it, I don't yeah. know, it just fits very well. It's all very grimy and grungy. But also, at the same time, I love that whole commentary with, like, even even though 500 followers in, like, the grand scheme of things, if you talk social media with people, like, a lot of people would tell you, like, that's not shit. But in all reality, though, if you get 500 people that will agree with your philosophies, even if they're fucked up or messed up or something, that is an issue no matter how many people it is. It could be like 2, 3, 13. Like, it doesn't matter. If you have this weird, very messed up philosophy you're preaching and you have even that many people following you, it's an issue right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, literally, we only saw maybe, like, I don't know, probably anywhere from like 10 to 15 um, of his followers, basically all dressed up like the Riddler with guns, planning to do his mass shooting at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, we, it could have like that magnitude, it didn't go as bad as it could have, you know? Like, yes. um, Yes. You don't really ever see like, it, a mass shooting go down in this film at all um it literally he batman prevents it from happening but um unfortunately yeah. the mayor does get tagged she gets yeah hit, just but that's I mean, pretty much like, like that's a, yeah that's pretty much like the only thing that really comes out of it i you know i as soon as i saw the amount of goons that the riddler had i thought that we were actually gonna get like a full-on like pretty high kill count yeah, but it it didn't turn out to be anything too crazy. I but it's still, that. yeah. I just love the whole Riddler outfit thing too. I don't know if you noticed that, but like the stuff in the chat where it was like, "That's this mask," and it's at this like hunting yeah. club like store yeah. and all that. Yeah. I loved how his whole outfit isn't even that special. Like it's just something anyone can go pick up. Like he's just some you know just some crazed white kid who just thought he could make an outfit out of bullshit that he finds in a store and become like this online media killer. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I and just like, love that whole subversive nature where he's not even really that special. <laughs> yeah. Then you also get that, like, he's not even that special, but, like, you know, he is very smart. Like, that is, like, kind of, like, his thing. Um, yeah. Um, you also get the commentary throughout the film where, in, like, arriving at the funeral, you see people, like, on the side of the Riddler. Um because, yeah. you know, like, you know, you have the whole commentary of just basically, like, people just um, glamorizing um, serial killers, um, you know, and that's that's also in that funeral scene as he's arriving for the funeral, you get to see that pretty well because in, like... Yeah, you have all that protesters. Yeah. 
So talking about how the Riddler's like right and you know unmasked the yeah. truth, all that shit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, fuck any type of corruption, but like you can't really. It's like he crosses the line when you get into murdering people and torturing and doing all that stuff. Like his motives are actually somewhat understandable until it crosses the line. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's just a conspiracy nut. And I also like about Paul Dan's Riddler's that at the end of the day, if you like boil it down, it makes it such a good dialogue to have. Cause it's like, yeah, at, in some degree, you're like, you know, these people shouldn't be higher ups. They shouldn't be in office and all this, but at the same time, you can't sit there and just like be this one man, take power into your own hands. Like just start knocking people off left and right and whacking them either. You can't, yeah. it has to be, the, you know, you can't do stuff like that. But you yeah. have these people that in real life, even that's commentary on where if someone exposes somebody or does this and everyone's just like, oh, they should die and stuff like that, it's commentate on stuff like that. How it's like, like you can't just immediately move. just over on something and just wish that yes. on people. Yeah. Um, from there, let's talk about the penguin a little bit. Um, so I really like the aspect that in the first half of this movie the penguin really isn't a villain at all um he Just obviously he is it. yeah i mean he like <laughs> you, he obviously is like kind of like a mob boss and stuff but the batman has nothing on him and it's literally he's kind of just there you know he's not a villain yet and i really like that aspect because like it's not like Oh my god! Like it, it, off the bat, it's like, oh, here's this notorious mob boss that you can't trust at all. Well, it's kind of and... like the same Batman. He hasn't reached that point yet. Like we're still early in the story. Exactly. Yeah. He hasn't become what he's going to be yet. It is cool seeing him as like a kind of just errand boy, but he's also still amazing just to see on screen. Like Colin Farrell just brings such a. Colin Farrell is so good as the Penguin. Um, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think I, as soon as I knew that he was going to be the penguin, I thought he was going to be great no matter what. Um, I think Colin Farrell's a, a spectacular actor and everything. Um, yeah. Um, and the makeup for him looks unbelievable. Um, I can't even tell you, it's a bad You can't thing. even really, you can't even really tell it's Colin Farrell at all. Um, Hannah didn't and, know until I told her. Really? Yeah, she did not know it was Colin Farrell until I told her it was Colin Farrell. That's funny because I was telling a coworker today that it was Colin Farrell. And he's like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, it was it was Colin Farrell." Um, <laughs> then you get like, then like you get into the second half of the movie where you get the whole, um, basically the scene where you get introduced to the Batmobile. Um, but basically, oh this is when this is when the penguin <laughs> basically becomes starts to become an actual villain. Like you know, he has a bunch of this drug money. Then he has the body of one of um, one of um, Catwoman's close friends. So, yeah. and this is when you get introduced to the Batmobile and such a see, okay. Because you saw this in IMAX, right? Like you, Hell it yeah. was like, yeah, yes, okay. <laughs> so I just want to make sure. So, dude, seeing this Batmobile, this entire scene, 
in IMAX with a roaring theater in terms of sound system, it was godly. I mean, they like, literally shook the theater. It was yeah. great. It felt like a concert. I loved it. Yeah, it was. As soon as like the car, the car starts and revs, and you know, you get the whole scene, like, and you get the whole like because the chase scene's actually decently long on the highway and everything, which it, I thought was pretty cool because I didn't expect Him it revving. to be. It, revving up that engine dude that was like yeah. a good little intro yeah and then that pretty much like then you get the whole you know him walking towards the, well you get those cam shots like on the wheels of the batmobile that were so cool um then you get like batman upside down walking towards um, the I love that walking shot too because they made his boots sound like like fucking cowboy boots. Like that's what I'm western. saying. It's like, like he it's just like, took that man down. Yeah, it sounds. It. it sound like you can hear the brass steel, and he's then like you get like this whole. Then you finally get the whole like interrogation of the penguin, which was really great. Um, it was great. Yeah, um, the way they left his feet tied up zip tied so you had to waddle like a penguin literally yes like saw him yes. waddle, and i was like, like that's perfect that's, <laughs> like that's literally like the type of stuff like like overall in terms of humor that was like pretty much like kind of like three jokes in this movie or whatever like that's Very the type of humor yeah i mean that when i started seeing them waddle, i'm like okay that's fucking awesome <laughs> like that yeah. was great that's um, my kind of subtle humor yeah um so then let's move on to the other big um crime boss in this movie as um John Turturro. Is that how you pronounce his name, his last name? Yeah, Turturro. Turturro. Him yeah. Falcone, as, fucking yeah, incredible. Carmine Falcone. Um he's really fucking good in this role. I was I mean so unbelievably good. Yeah. Unbelievably good. Um like as you because like this is the first time of us seeing him right and it doesn't take any time to literally just see him on screen and he just like oozes like charisma as this type of mob boss like you instantly instantly you're like all right that's a bit that's the big that's the big fish right there and he's pretty and like you know, you get so many different types of um, interactions with him, Batman, Catwoman. Do you get like a huge range of his character? And yeah, I thought I love his range, and I'm so yeah. used to seeing like that. I'm so used to seeing him play characters like in Coen Brother movies, or even him in like Transformers and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, seeing yeah. him in this, and him just be able to just—I mean, just fully execute it, like. It was so great to see him in that kind of role, and he played such a pivotal part in the movie. I didn't think Falcone was going to be such a big part of the movie, but every aspect of his character was so needed and so well used for the whole story and everything. Yeah, I just loved it, and I love. I mean, his like his conversation with Bruce Wayne is one of my favorite ones. Also, after Bruce finds out about all the conspiracy and stuff, because that, like that scene at, is so that, well directed. Yeah. I mean, like at that, at a point, like going over everything that we've talked about too, it's just like this is like so early in a relationship with a lot of people. You know, this is super early in a relationship between Falcone and Bruce Wayne that, you know, they don't have really any malice towards each other in any real way. 
And Falcone is like totally like willing to give his support to Bruce Wayne in any which way. But you also know? manipulate him. He also yes. wants yes. to just completely yes. turn him over. Yes. Um, and very much that aspect. Yeah. Um, so, you know, every time he's on screen, you just, he's, he's unbelievable. You think he's the, you instantly know like that, that's, that's a big dude right there. That's, that's the top of the totem pole. Um, yeah. But going from that, you know, we kind of know he gets um, revealed that Falcone is uh, obviously Selena Kyle's father. Um, Great Catwoman. little twist in there. Yes. Um, so let's talk about Zoe Kravitz in this movie. Um, Alpha Uno. Zoe Kravitz <laughs> is literally dream come true as Catwoman. Um Because one, you know, she well, she's sexy as hell. Um, How did I know you were going to try and say some shit like that? <laughs> I, I, I had, I mean, I had to. I mean, like everyone's thinking it. I just have to say it. Um, so, but like, she's also like, like the perfect um, moral ambiguity between black and white of good and evil. You know, um, you know, she's obviously trying to do some shady stuff but also like you know everything's kind of justified for her in a way that she can she can be the vigilante um she's such a great gravitas to the role yeah and like like i was saying with um paul dano and batman um sorry paul dano and robert panson robert (laughs) panson and selena kyle they're um their chemistry is very, very authentic. Yeah, um, it is. Every scene of them together, obviously, like, you know, um, Batman, Bruce Wayne is not very talkative right now, and she takes up a lot of the talking, but everything that he says and everything that he goes off of what she has said, everything just melts together so well, and um, I'm really I'm really glad that we actually got to see her as Catwoman because... There's oh, especially the one scene where she's using his um, uh, um, eye lens technology, yeah, going through um the iceberg and going and talking to the DA and all these people trying to get um information. That was just so well done. Um, and that's like kind of the thing, kind of going off of that point too. Like, dude, every single scene in this movie was there was like no fluff at all no there wasn't for a three-hour movie no fluff it didn't even drag once i love yeah i mean like even in those scenes like i'm talking about right now with um catwoman going into that nightclub and like getting kind of trying to get more information it still is as exhilarating and as in um engaging as literally any other part of the movie i loved I loved all that stuff with the island stuff, and it was so cool, and I loved to see, like, Batman's technology. And then also just all of the way that Zoe Kravitz made all of her personality and, like, the, the moral compass of Catwoman in those scenes and everything. Like, she kind of wanted to help Batman, but at the same time, she had her own agenda, and if it wasn't kind of fitting her agenda, she'd kind of go off a little bit and not really worry yep. about Batman's agenda. But, I mean, even also the the scene with her when she finally 
confronts Falcone too. That that was insane. <laughs> insanely well done scene. And she was like acted her ass off for that. Yeah. Like it was just so well done. I loved yeah. all the stuff with her catwoman in there. It was all it all just felt necessary. And not to like shit on Anne Hathaway, but her stuff in Dark Knight Rises, I don't really think was necessarily necessary per se. But I mean, uh, you can't really say Zoe Kravitz isn't necessary for this yeah, Batman. I totally agree. And I'm kind of like one of like the Anne Hathaway truthers. I really like her as Catwoman in um, Dark Knight Rises. But I mean, like literally this is like a dream come true casting. I mean, as soon as like they were basically like talking and um talking and like who was gonna get this role then she gets cast and everyone's like everyone who like knows the character is like she's catwoman like she is absolutely catwoman um she got the personality everything down exactly she had it down yeah and like dude the scene at the end between them on their motorcycles and they go their separate paths Uh, yeah it's it's so good Looking um, back in the rearview mirror and everything, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so then going on in terms of another performance, let's talk about Jeffrey Wright as um, Commissioner Gordon. He is he amazing. It. He, he kills is amazing. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because like I, we've said, like this is a very early relationship for a lot of different aspects of Batman. And so, like, this is, like, his early relationship with the Gotham City Police, too. So, um, Batman is very much, like, in it with Commissioner Gordon. And everyone's, like, on not on Commissioner Gordon's side at all. Yeah, like, he's not even high-ranking yet. No. And, like he's basically just a detective, isn't he? Well, I mean, he's still commissioner, but... No, um, he's not commissioner No, yet. sorry. Remember sorry. that yeah, dude at the yeah, beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah Whatever yeah, his yeah, name yeah, was. yeah. 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 Um, Who was he? He's he's Who's a lieutenant. Victims, sorry, sorry. He's oh, he was wait. a lieutenant. Uh, yeah, he's a lieutenant. Okay, okay, okay. that makes sense. Um, so yeah, he's not like super um high in the totem pole yet, but he is like he's bringing Batman onto these crime scenes, and everyone's like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> like, what what the hell is going on?" Why is he here? Why is why does he have to do any of these cases? But I mean, it's literally every single victim to the Batman. <laughs> like it's literally every single time. Um, well, I did like how they showed how the, even the police slowly started coming more towards letting Batman be around. The more that yes. they realized how much he was solving and like helping out. Even that one cop. God, I can't remember his name. But I know they helped talking... him with the carpet yeah. thing at the end. Yeah. Yeah, because you know he was so pissed about Batman being there in the first crime scene. And then by the end, he's like, then he sees him on the crime scene. He's like, he's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like he's just trying to have a conversation. Like I enjoy that aspect too. You see a lot of like arcs and a lot of development throughout this movie, not just for Batman. And it's so great to see that because you rarely ever see stuff like that where like the whole thing kind of evolves and around. Like, and you know, like at the end of this movie, like you could say that Batman doesn't really have a good relationship with the GCPD at all. Oh, no. You know? Not. <laughs> so, because um, you get the whole scene of him and Gordon at in the police station, 
which is by far one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie. It is so, such like, a good scene. So, like, obviously, like, Batman kind of gets a little out of control, and then he's, like, then everyone agrees, like, all right, give Gordon and Batman the time, and basically Gordon's, like, telling him, like, all right, we need to get you out here, what we gotta do, and Pattinson punches him in the face, and you get this whole chase sequence out, out of the um, GCPD, and, you know, at the end, you get, like, a little bit towards the later of that, you get the the one joke like, "Oh, you could have pulled your punch," and Robert Pattinson's like, "I did." <laughs> like, yeah, that, it's like that I was so good. Punch. That's literally like one of the most Batman things ever, and it's so cool. Um, and the fact that overall, early Batman has a wingsuit, his his cape isn't yes. suited yet. Yes, like I love that aspect too. That was, he doesn't have the wingsuit cape yet. Yeah, like going off of that a little bit too is like you only get one scene with the Batmobile. You only one scene, and yeah. you get one scene with like the wingsuit, and it in the end it doesn't go well. No. <laughs> like so that's that's why I really like about that too. Um, it's all but, very subversive. I love it. Yeah, um, yeah. Just overall, James Gordon, um, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon is just like almost like literally like another dream come true casting um he perfect when he looks like james it. he looks like james gordon um from top to bottom and acts like him from top to bottom and i can't wait to see even more of their relationship going forward yes um what did you think about andy circus's alfred so i thought he was solid so i thought he I was also, i also really like because you, it's very early in this relationship for Al- Alfred and Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. Like you know, this is year two, so like this is very much the beginning of Alfred like trying to get guide everything him. situated and guide him. Like you know, Robin Pants and still is kind of um, gets kind of snippy with Alfred at times and like, you know, gets into spats with him. Um and I legitimately thought Alfred was gonna die in this movie. I, oh, yeah, as soon too. as as soon as I saw that bomb go off, I was like, no way. <laughs> they literally yeah. killed Alfred in the first movie. Um but he survives. Wild. Then he gives one of the best acting performances in a scene in this entire movie. In the Sitting down. Movie? Yes. Yeah. He good basically, he has. basically, you know, telling Bruce Wayne about his father and that, like, you know, hey, your dad was a very good man. He was one of the best of them, but everyone make, makes mistakes. And he yeah. didn't want this to, he didn't want that to happen in any right whatsoever. I, I also love how his, like, interpretation of Alfred wasn't so centered on being a parental kind of guardian or parental yes. figure to him. Because he even admitted in the movie, I love that aspect, that he was like, you know, I, I'm i not your parents. I don't even yeah. try to be your parents. Uh, they were a friend of mine. Like, I like how he's more just more like a friend in this movie. Like, not yeah. really like a guardian. I really enjoy that kind of dynamic that they had in that. Yeah, also, can we talk about how cool, like, all of the set design for, like, the Wayne house and everything looks. Oh my god, I love it. They <laughs> went full on gothic. I love it. It was like finally we have a Gotham movie that goes full gothic and it looks like a fucking comic book. 
It was like it's yeah. straight. It looked straight up, just full on gothic design, and it all looked real and everything. Like I was, I was blown away. I yeah, when it. I saw like that scene of like the architecture of them like in the mansion, like the first time, I was like, dude, that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the Batman. Yeah, it looks like Dracula would fucking live. There. Yes, I yes. love it. Yeah. So overall, kind of, dude, performances out of this world in this movie you can't really complain about every minor character that you get into anything is like good you know like you never really have anyone that's like standing out that's like oh that's my least um, favorite aspect of the cast or anything like that yeah honestly there really was no performance in this movie i could sit there and look at and be like that is a bad performance like everyone brought their a game and that's so hard to also find in a movie where everyone across the board is just on the same level. Uh-huh. I love that too. Like it just seems like Matt Reeves can get just great performances out of everybody apparently. Yeah. Um let's talk about um I I'm, I feel like I'm going to butcher his name. But oh, Michael no. Giacchino? No, Michael Giacchino. Oh, you talking about the, the composer? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering what last name you were about to try and say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking at it for him like, all right, I'm going to screw this up. But no, I feel like I'm... scores scores are incredible. The Batman theme is perfect. It was literally the, stuck in my head after the movie for like a solid two hours. Just dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. And, <laughs> and Riddler's theme is really cool. Um, yeah. I don't know how early you got to the theater... But like there was like that ten minutes where it was just basically like showing, you know, a bunch of promotional stuff for the movie, and then it was like playing a lot of the themes. Yeah, we had to watch. We had to. We got to see that whole thing where it was the whole fan first like trivia, yeah. and then like all the little posters and pictures yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, it was cool. And stuff. that's why I was like, dude, this Riddler theme is unbelievable. Because I didn't listen to any of the the, the themes before. Neither did I. I don't and I was it. like. I I don't listen I, before I watch a movie. I think that's kind of I I've always kind of hated that I, um, you know, not getting get kind of yeah. I don't I don't like not getting the context of the themes. Well, not you just know, that. it's like your first impression. Why would you want your first impression of a score or something like that to not be blasting in the movie during the yes. actual scene? And every, why would you want yeah. your first impression to be in your headphones where you're just sitting there listening to in the car with absolutely no context or anything like you said? Yes. I don't understand and, people like that who listen to the score before watching the movie. And they're like, this theme bangs. And it's like, you don't yeah. even know what it's about yet. Exactly. <laughs> and any well-composed um, score plays off of every scene that it is in. So exactly. it's it's a complete disservice to kind of even tr- just like try and like catch a peek at those themes beforehand because you never know what the scene they're going to be used in, what the context of the scene's going to be, or like you know you can be totally um, like robbed of a character arc moment, and because like my my big example for that is like imagine listening to at the speed of force for Zack Snyder's Justice League for Flash beforehand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't understand any of it. You wouldn't understand how great that piece of music is until you actually see it in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean, I completely get what you're saying. Like, 
can't imagine just taking any piece of score out of context and just listening to it, and you have no idea, like, what it's even entailing yet. Yeah. Um, imagine listening to, like, a Nolan score or something from, like, <laughs> or something without even knowing like, what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, just overall across the board, like, the music was very, very, very good. Um, Did you see how and- long his score was? No. It's one of the longest scores I've ever seen. It's over two hours long. Is it really? I mean, the like, whole like original soundtrack I think is over two so, hours long. Like going off of like like off of like not like the main themes too. Every time that you had musical composition in the movie that wasn't like something in the way by Nirvana, everything Which was only twice. felt yes. Everything felt perfect for each scene. Everything felt perfect for this character, these characters, um, this city of Gotham, and the story itself. Like, it I literally know how fits. long it took him to make that. Yeah, I mean, kind of going off of that too, it's like, like I said, those two times when something in the way is playing over those monologues while Batman is on his bike, like, are you kidding? Just inject that into my veins 24 7 hours a day it's... <laughs> are you kidding jake are you kidding <laughs> it is it is so good um now let's talk about another it's all perfect though it like is every every scene that has a composition in it which is almost i mean i felt like almost every scene in the movie had it even regular dialogue scenes and everything yeah. felt like they had composition but i mean you just listen to it and it just flows like you sometimes you don't even realize the score is playing which i think is a yes. good indicator which of is a, a good really thing. good score yeah yeah that's what i mean like some scores in some scenes you need it to blow up and be overt and right in your face and then some scenes it's like you don't have to bring attention to the score sometimes it's just there to service what's happening with the dialogue and everything it's only so to it's like really kind of emphasize it that much more to actually yeah yeah um, it's all well done let's talk about another great technical aspect of this movie the cinematography by greg frazier is some of the best cinematography I've ever seen in a comic book movie. Yeah. Un- undoubtedly. Like, so many beautiful shots. It's like every shot in the movie while I was watching this on the IMAX screen was just complete eye candy. I couldn't believe it. It's just, you know, and people like try to be like, oh, one perfect shot for these MCU movies. Like, dude, there is not a single dude. These the shot compositions in this movie and the set design and oh my god There's it not looks a so single MCU movie it, that can hold a candle no, to Batman it's, especially when it comes to cinematography it's like you could literally just like take literally probably any single screen capture of this movie and just be like dude this is this is perfect this is I also just I love the balls on the cinematographer. What was his name? Greg Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Fraser. I love the balls of him to spend so much of the movie also just showing you shots of people's faces. Yes. There's so many just like close-ups of people's faces and it's like that is also awesome because it just feels so technical on one point because it's so hard to get a good close-up done. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that, but if you really try and get like a really good close-up I yeah, agree, yeah, nine times out of ten, it's gonna look like shit or look really tacky. So yeah. it's really awesome that they did that. And plus, it just looks like old school, like Hollywood. Like there's super close up shots where it's like the light is like reflecting, and then you see dim shadows going across their face. It's so like 
old school Hollywood, like noir esque kind of thing. I loved it. And it's so cool that it's a, such a big blockbuster movie like this can have so many close up shots and then be able to get away with it. Yeah. I mean, like just overall, in terms of just like literally every aspect of filmmaking, it's like perfect across the board, like direction, writing, cinematography, editing, music. It's all just done at the highest level. And it's only crazy. And it, (laughs) and it, it's only cool. It's only like the cherry on top that it's a Batman movie that we get to see it for, you know? Um, All these things come together to make a perfect storm for a Batman movie. It's such a great thing. Like, you know, you, you get to say that a lot about a lot of movies that aren't like um, IP movies. Yeah. But like, for this to be a Batman movie and to literally have all those aspects, it, I mean, it's gonna, I think it's literally, it's, I think I might put it over Dark Knight. I, I'm kind of giving it the benefit of the doubt, just like kind of, I'm kind of like putting him at the same level right now. Oh, I don't even I, think about it. I would say it's better than the Dark Knight. I mean, like, I very much, like, I'm pretty much agreeing with you, but I'm just kind of like, Right now, I'm just like kind of just simmering them at both at oh, the same level. Um, I mean, I love Nolan, and his Batman yeah. movies are good. Like they're great, and they're probably some of the best Batman movies, especially if you bring out everyone's Batman movies ever made. But yeah. I personally think this one like stands a little bit above even Nolan, just because. Yeah. Well, I, I was know, saying this, about it. I, I'm saying this to so many people. Um, this movie makes Nolan's trilogy look very simple for the character of Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. for in terms of, like, obviously his trilogy of Batman is just done so well across the board, but in just in terms of, like, stylistic choices, direction, and all that stuff, it kind of makes look Nolan's film kind of look a little bit stale. If yeah, you understand I mean, what I'm it's saying, like, yes, uh, stale. I wouldn't use stale. I would use the word I wouldn't, stale, no, no, but I like, wouldn't use stale. But like, kind of like pale so, in comparison. Yeah, the Nolan movies are so grounded in realism that they just feel like you know they're shot in any fucking city, and then yeah. they just superimpose the Wayne Building in there, and then you just have, you know, just a bunch of people regularly dressed fighting a guy dressed like a bat. But in that, and that's okay because these movies were meant to be something very yes, realistic. They were meant to the be like point. that, and they it were great Batman. at doing it. And they were great yeah, at that. But it, the but the Nolan movies, the Gotham that they had and everything, it does not look. It, it doesn't even compare to the Gotham that Matt Reeves has created. Yes, the Batman and the whole set design and even the atmosphere, the way he directs it and everything. It's just I love the whole serial killer horror nor kind of vibe he was going for and that's something that i don't think no one could pull off personally yeah i agree um so is there any other notes that you personally kind of really want to touch on this movie mm, i don't know it's just it's perfect. oh so we should definitely talk about this um so the riddler is in prison then you get the cameo of Barry Keegan's um, Joker. You know, I did not know who was acting as the Joker when I first saw it, but I thought 
whoever it was, they sounded cool. And I liked how their interpretation was already something different. And then we uh-huh. looked it up afterwards and I was like, oh my God, they got, he's such a cool actor, first of all, because, you know, killing a sacred deer and all that. Yes. But he's also, he's young. It's like, this is great. We're getting a young Joker. Yeah, we're, we're getting, getting a young, young Batman. Joker. Yeah. <laughs> like so we're, we're getting, getting young, young everybody. Yeah. Um, I was, I t- I've told this to so many people too. The Riddler is still so fucking sadistic in this movie. Just imagine what the Joker is going to do. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, have good, I have high hopes for him. Yes. Um, I couldn't, like, I do like the fact that you only kind of see like a little glimpse of what his Joker looks like. You don't yeah, really like see too much. Hidden. Yes. I love how hidden he is. Um, and so you get that and then you know, you basically get the whole little bit of an arc at the end where basically, you know, we've talked about it where Batman's like, All right, I just need to be more than vengeance now. I need to be I need to be hope. I need to do more as myself for the better of Gotham. Um and you get like that whole montage at the end and and yeah, you get him you get the last shot of him on his him helping everyone out of Madison yes. Square Garden is such a good fucking scene. Yeah. Like him extending his hand and the kid, the boy was the first one to get his hand and then they start helping everyone out. And all the people follow that one shot yes. people following yes. him while he's holding yeah. the fucking torch. So it, that's crazy because like, dude, I when I first saw that shot, I would have never thought that that was going to be like the context of it, you know? Mm-hmm. I never thought that that was going to be the context of it. And, you know, it goes to show, like, literally every shot in this movie was just so well-crafted. It really was. Yeah. And the whole third act, like, I still don't understand how people are complaining about third act. I absolutely love how, first of all, it subverts Riddler. And I absolutely love how Batman doesn't get this giant drag-out fight or anything that's super fancy and glossed over or anything that's really even like glorious or overcomplicated either he just sits there and almost gets his ass handed to him he has a big freak out moment when he shoots himself up with adrenaline which i love the fact that he has adrenaline on his utility belt yeah and i love that he like lost his shit which is another cool thing that shows like you know the human aspect of him how he can sit there and go off the rails he's still on that edge of that cliff and you know and then the whole thing where it just amounts to the fact that he was basically fighting this like reflection of him who had the same ideology as him where it's like i'm vengeance also and that's when he had that he's light like, switch moment he's like oh shit what did what am i doing exactly it shows the impact of like his vigilantism and then also shows just everything that what the way he was going about it is just all wrong and i absolutely love that that whole third act was just geared towards showing batman that he was wrong and i think that's such a good way to handle vigilante kind of stuff like that yeah and I think um, that's why people don't like it because it wasn't some big glowy, flashy fight that just ended in him being victorious and all that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, we break it down and everything. It's like, how can you not like this third act? Like exactly. I mean, it's literally everything the per- the entire purpose of the character and the arc that he's going through at the end. Um, that's how I you know it. you're yeah. not supposed to get you're not supposed to get a big Riddler fight, you know. You're not supposed to get that. That's not the purpose of it. Um, that confrontation between them and the prison is like that's that's their confrontation. That's 
yeah, that was perfect. It was so well done. Yeah. Um, overall, you know, I can't wait until the next one, dude. Um, I'm going to see some theaters several times. Um, I'm probably going to yeah, go on Sunday. Yeah. I want to try and rewatch it too. Yeah. I really do. I feel I like this is going to be one, too, that we're going to – it's going to be one of those films. Every time you watch it, there's going to be something that you missed. Yeah, I Every feel time. like that, too, and that's why I want to rewatch it. I feel like there's going to be little clues, and I think there's going to be little stuff that we probably didn't pick up on the first time. Yeah, most definitely. Um, is there any other closing notes that you wanted to touch on, Harrison? It's a banger. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Thank you guys as always for tuning in to the not the so blast the, the, the bot the, yeah the not so blast for <laughs> the cinema podcast for a second time. Um, this was the Batman, and thank you guys. Holy shit! We, Both of our episodes have had Robert Pattinson in. I oh dude, I forgot to say that. I was literally about to. I, I was going to <laughs> say that, and then this. And yes, yeah. Um, the Pattinson's has begun. Maybe we should just call it the Pattinson series. The Pattinson series. The pants and series. <laughs> no, but um, yes. Thank you guys as always for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Peace.